1: Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show.
2: Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast. And what is this a podcast of? It's a podcast of amazing people, powerful stories that motivate you. And you know what? A little bit about wellness. And today's guest is actually Olympic gold medalist, Lindsay Vaughn, which is totally awesome. But before I introduce her... I got to do the routine. The routine is always going to be read the bio first. So Olympic gold medalist, Lindsay Vaughn, born on October 18th, 1984 in St. Paul, Minnesota, is one of the most decorated American ski racers in history and widely regarded among the greatest of all time. Lindsay burst onto the international skiing scene in 1999 at the age of 14, has since captivated the world with her perseverance, superhuman abilities on the slopes. She won four World Cup overall championships, one of only two female skiers to do so, with three consecutive titles in 9, 10, plus another in 2012. Lindsay won the gold medal in downhill at the 2010 Winter Olympics, the first one for an American woman. She also won a record eight World Cup season titles in the downhill discipline, 2008 to 2013, 2015 and 16, five titles in Super G in 2009 to 2012 and 2015, and three consecutive titles in the combined 2010 to 2012. In 2016, she won her 20th World Cup Crystal Globe title, the overall record for men or women. Her total 82 World Cup victories is a woman's record. Although Lindsay single-handedly put American ski racing on the map, her journey was punctuated by devastating setbacks and brutal injuries, including a broken ankle, gruesome bruises, critical damage to a nerve in her arm, and I'm just naming a few. For those who've struggled to pick themselves up after facing a downfall, Lindsay's blind resolve isn't just inspirational, it's really hard to put into words. Her fearlessness is what made her successful and what pushed her past genuine limits. Lindsay is also a New York Times bestselling author For her 2016 debut novel, Strong is the new beautiful, embrace your natural beauty, eat clean and harness your power and has served as an international games ambassador in the 2018 Winter Olympics and is also the founder of the Lindsay Bond Foundation, which supports girls through scholarships, education and athletics. In 2019, February, Lindsay announced her retirement from ski racing, and that same year commemorated her final season with the release of her HBO documentary, Lindsay Vaughn, The Final Season. Since her retirement, Lindsay has launched a production company seeking to chronicle stories of sports, women, and determination. She has released her memoir, Rise my story in 2022, detailing her years as a professional skier, as well as her struggles with mental health. As an extra thrill, she added the title of host to her resume with the premiere of the Amazon Prime video show, The Pack, where Lindsay and her dog Lucy host a global family-friendly reality competition series with her vast social media following, growing portfolio of books, TV projects, investments, and commitment to her namesake foundation. Lindsay looks forward to the next chapter of her life as she continues to build her legacy and empower women of all ages across the globe. Her motto at the end is follow your dreams. If you have a goal and you want to achieve it, then work hard, and do everything you can to get there. And one day it will come true. And with that being said, Lindsay, what's up? How are you?
0: Hey, I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me.
2: Oh, I have to say the pleasure is all mine. It's so weird when I see like, you know, the heroes on TV when I was cheering you on and skiing and now you're on my podcast. This is cool.
0: (laughs) Well, it's great to be here. I appreciate it.
2: All right, so I kind of broke this up into the get to know you questions, then i want to kind of go a little deeper from there. So, you know, let's start off with something that kind of easy. So growing up, did you kind of always wanted to be an athlete?
0: I mean, honestly, I wasn't really good at anything else. Um, I mean, I, I tried a lot of sports growing up. Um, I just loved skiing right away. Um, I would try soccer, I tried figure skating, I tried gymnastics. This wasn't really for me and then once I got into skiing I just loved it and I knew that's what I wanted to do and when I met Peekaboo Street who was my you know my hero growing up um she really solidified that goal for me and made me really focus on the Olympics and so I guess I, I set my goals pretty early in life but yeah well it was never really a question for me since it happened so early.
2: Well you know of all the sports you know I mean going 85 miles per hour downhill skiing? Why couldn't you just pick something safer like curling? You know what I mean? (laughs) Why do you want to, I'm driving 85 in my car and I'm freaking out. Why did you pick that sport specifically?
0: Well, I mean, I am from Minnesota, so curling would make a lot of sense, (laughs) but, uh, but I'm, I'm a thrill seeker. I'm an adrenaline junkie. I love going fast. You know, it's one of the, I think things that really drew me to the sport was the ability to you know be in control of your outcome and push yourself to the limits i think there's something really different about ski racing in that way you know it's it's an individual sport you're on the mountain it's basically you against the mountain and i just love i love every aspect of that
2: so I want to ask the question. I Like, describe it because then it starts off. You're on the top. You know, you hear the bell, and all of a sudden, literally, you are like flying down the mountain. Like, you're not even touching the snow. So, what goes through your mind? Is it kind of like, "Oh crap, I think I'm going too fast"? What goes through your mind when you're going that fast down the mountain?
0: I mean, there is no such thing as going too fast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's only how can I go faster? So, I mean, I guess. You know they a lot of athletes talk about being in the zone, and I definitely think that that's you know the place that I always try to get to when I was racing. You know, when you're going that fast, you have to be very present. and I think that's another reason why I love my sport is that you know you have to simply focus on being present and you know reacting to whatever comes your way and obviously being prepared. But uh, if I'm thinking about anything else, I'm most likely not going to win and I'm probably going to go into a fence somewhere. So not recommended.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well said. Well said. It definitely sounds like you've been an athlete like all your life. So um, how did you approach sleep? When training for big events, of course, like the Olympics, was sleep kind of a priority for you during your training?
0: Yeah, I mean, I grew up, you know, with my dad always telling me that sleep was one of the most important things for an athlete, because it's the only time that we really have to recover. And to be prepared for the next day, and I was always a really good sleeper um, oh. until my first surgery. If I've had many surgeries uh, in my life, but my first, you know, major knee surgery really set me down the path of insomnia. And I approached it like I would anything else as an athlete. You know, how do I figure this out? How do I overcome it? How do how do I get back to what I was good at before, and so I can, you know, ex- excel in my sport again? And it took me until now really to figure it out. You know, I, I tried a lot of different supplements and teas and, you know, other medications and none of, none of that worked until, until I found QVivic. And I was so happy because again, I've been struggling with this since 2013 and this is my first knee surgery. So it's been a really long time and a struggle that, you know, I wish I had found a solution to earlier. But I think the ultimate thing is that I, as an athlete thought that I could always conquer everything on my own. I don't really like asking for help. And, you know, Google is not a good doctor, as it turns out. So, you know, I actually talked to a doctor. And and that's one of the main reasons why I was able to find q So turns out, you know, Google doesn't know everything.
2: <laughs> so when we talked about you started realizing that you have insomnia, you know, Was there a part of you because insomnia sometimes is like a household word? And when people say, Oh, I got some insomnia, like, well, it seems almost natural. And, you know, you're going through pain. You mentioned about the surgery. I'm sure there was some kind of anxiety. Was there a part of you that's like, Well, I should have insomnia? That's kind of it. What made you kind of say that, uh oh, this needs to be addressed? It just wasn't, Hey, I have insomnia.
0: Honestly, no one should have insomnia. It should not be something that happens to anyone sleep is something that we all should be able to utilize and enjoy and you know i think it's something where insomnia is to your point it's a household term because people think it's acceptable and you know they they think oh well i have kids i can't sleep i have work i can't sleep and this is just the way it is but that's that's not the way it should be and you know that's that's how i look at it i look at it as i used to get good sleep And I know that feeling. And how do I get back to that? And I haven't been able to get to that place until now.
2: And you know, like anytime we talk about insomnia, it's natural for people to gravitate towards nighttime stuff. Like, hey, did you sleep? How long did you sleep? Let me ask you kind of an opposite question. How was once you realized you were kind of battling it out with insomnia, how were you affected during the day? Did you have any daytime symptoms?
0: Yeah, I mean I when you don't sleep well, my brain just wasn't functioning the way it was it should be and the way it was before. You know, I would be tired and you know, when you're going eighty five miles an hour down a downhill, it's kind of important to be able to be clear minded and focused. And when you don't sleep well, that definitely affects your performance and also my safety. (laughs) So, you know, that's why again, as an athlete, I was trying to solve the problem and why I didn't stop trying to solve it because I knew that eventually I would find a solution. I just I wish it hadn't have taken me so long. But you know, I, I again, when I don't sleep well, I don't think as clearly. I, my reaction time, both physically and mentally was a lot slower. Um, and I just kind of felt like also with other medications that I took that I was in kind of this fog. And so I, I feel like now that I'm able to fall asleep faster and I stay asleep longer, I'm, I feel like I have so much more energy during the day and it makes all the difference in the world.
2: Wow. So you mentioned a very specific name. You mentioned QVIVIC, which is a medication definitely FDA approved for insomnia. Now, how did you kind of end up on QVIVIC? I mean, were there other options first? Or was there hit and miss first? And, and how was it explained to you that, hey, this could be something that you may want to try. So what was kind of like the story behind it? I'm a little curious.
0: Well, I obviously talked to my doctor and that's what actually set me down this path of getting more sleep. Um, I've tried other medications before. Some were prescribed to me because of my surgery and others I, you know, tried over the counter. And, you know, again, like I said, the teas and changing my sleep habits and, you know, all of the normal things that everyone who tries to sleep better does, um, but nothing really worked until until I actually got on TVIC. And, you know, I think it's important to remember, and as an athlete, I know this, but you know, many people may not, all medications have risks. So I think that's important to remember. But, you know, for me, this is this is what works well. And trial and error for me is, <laughs> you know, how I kind of get to this point. But I think it's a pretty easy solution just to ask your doctor and and find out if it works for you.
2: No, and you know, I think many people can relate, you know, sleep is so individualized. And sometimes, you know, it is trial and error. And it's kind of an accomplishment to find what works for you. And with that being said, I mean, are you doing well now that you've done some lifestyle changes, you got the right medication on board? How are you doing now?
0: I feel great. You know, I think life has changed a lot for me since I retired from ski racing. And I actually had a harder time falling asleep when I stopped racing. And before I got on QVivic. and now I just feel you know again because I'm able to fall asleep faster stay asleep longer I have more energy in the day and I just feel like I'm able to accomplish all the things I set out to do you know when I wake yeah. up tired and I don't sleep you know I'm a very goal oriented person and if I can't start checking off the box on my goals first thing in the morning I don't get nearly as much accomplished so I definitely feel like I'm a lot more productive and I need to accomplish things in the day um, to kind of feel, that's just, that's just how I operate, to feel good about myself. And I definitely am able to do that now, which is really nice because I have a that's lot nice. of things I want to do in my life. And I have just beginning.
2: I love it. I love it. So I got, I thought it'd be kind of fun, you know, for my listeners to have this little segment called Lindsay's bedtime routine. Just to see, Mm. I know I'm, I'm a little excited myself here. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and, and you got to be honest. You got to be honest. And let, let me see what you do to kind of help your transition to sleep. Question number one, sleeping with the dog, sleeping with Lucy. Are you pro, anti pro? Do you do it, not do it? What do you think?
0: You know, it depends on how bad she's snoring. (laughs) Uh, I would say, you know, there's always a trick for me to, you know, she has to be, if she's sleeping on her back, there's no way, you know, like any human could sleep. She'll be snoring so loud. So I just position her in the right way. You know, I have my routine. And as long as I can fall asleep before her, I'm good.
2: Lindsay, do you want me to send you like a CPAP mask for, for Lucy? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, something like breed rights or like, I don't know. There's some like dog. I don't know. It's, I mean, King Charles, I know are historically bad at snoring, but I think she specifically must have something like extra because she's very extra.
2: Well, <laughs> well, I, I have two dogs. I have Clifford and I have little tiny Ringo and I, and Clifford. I always, yeah, Clifford, you know, uh, we named him after the classic, you know. Yeah, of course, a classic show. Of course. And I think for me, I'm just going to say, whatever, you know, dogs provide so much anti anxiety and cuddle effect. They hip out with depression. So I think it's individualized. So I like that. Yeah. How about this one? How about this one? How about this one? Are you kind of like a warm bath or shower type person before bed?
0: It depends. I mean, I think sometimes in the bath, if I'm, you know, sitting there, I'll think about things that I have to do like the next day i think my mind is a dangerous place so if you know i don't want to let it run wild you know so sometimes it's important for me to not sit there and think about you know my goals and aspirations just to kind of veg out i, I like i actually like watching tv but not in bed you know i like to kind Ooh. of wind down with yeah. on order on the sofa with my dog and then <laughs> you know once i'm wound down and I've, you know, the murder has been solved and, you know, everyone's happy then, and also ice cream, then I can go to bed, you know, get into bed and like be relaxed. And for me, that's helpful, but I definitely can't watch TV in bed.
2: Well, that was good. And, you know, for some, there's, you know, there's always these kind of like thing about, you know, when you lay down, your body cools down. When you get up, you kind of warm up. So people like taking the bath so they could really drop their temperature quicker and maybe help them sleep. So, okay hmm. right. But you don't want to think too much. I think I agree with you.
0: Yeah, my, it's my mind. It's all my mind. Yeah. <laughs> How about this?
2: If I were to present you with a warm glass of milk or almond milk, I mean, uh, are you pro? Do you like taking a little glass of milk before bed? I'll have some
0: tea. You know, I used to be a big... I mean, obviously, I'm a ski racer. So, you know, hot chocolate is like, you know, water for me. But I think there's... For me, I feel like there's too much sugar in in hot chocolate. And I, I wouldn't have a glass of warm milk on its own. Because I think that just sounds kind of gross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm honest. If anything, I'm honest. But I would have a tea. I would have a tea,
2: yeah. All right, Lizzie. Do you know why that whole thing came about of why a warm glass of milk Do you know under the answer is it
0: comforting do i don't know what is the body temperature again
2: you know milk especially almond milk for those lactose intolerant right here uh it has magnesium and tryptophan so
0: people kind it's of a think, fan
2: yeah a little tryptophan. Yep. so i'm not saying do it but and it's warm because the cold milk kind of makes the stomach a little irritated so they kind of thought about warming it up but all right so not mm. really all warm now here's a Here's one we got to know. And everyone always lies on this one. So what about the cell phone? Do you bring your cell phone to bed or no?
0: No, bad idea. Bad, bad idea. It's again, it's like, it's a just never ending dark hole. You just get sucked in and then, you know, your brain keeps going. And then it's like, what do I have to do? What email did I miss? What text message did I miss? What are people (laughs) doing on Instagram that I should know about or not know about or, you know, regret looking at? So once I get in bed, I set my alarm clock before I get into bed so that I just don't even look at it.
2: Wow, I'm like super proud of you. I'm not even like an inch as popular as you and I have a hard time getting rid of my phone in the bed. So good. (laughs) Well,
0: you you know, it's like that's that's also the issue is that, you know, I'm on Instagram more probably than I should anyways. So I don't I definitely don't need it at night. That's not, you know, not something I need to add on to in the day.
2: Yeah, you know, I could help you out if you could give me a couple of those million followers to my Instagram. <laughs> but what about this? Um, you kind of touched on it. I know you know about you know binge watching, and let's say you're not in the bed. Do you ever catch yourself binge watching? And is your favorite show Law and Order?
0: Yeah, it is. Oh. Mm-hmm. Every episode, like, barring a few, you know, to be continued episodes, <laughs> everything, every crime gets solved, and. At the end you just you feel good. You're like, you know, there's a lot of bad things happening in the world, but Olivia Benson solved the problem, solved, <laughs> solved the murder. You know, Zabler and Benson, you know, the dream team solved it again. They just feel good. I don't generally binge watch Law and Order because generally speaking I've seen every single episode. So <laughs> you know, I'll definitely end my night on that, you know, especially if I've had a bad day. But yep. you know, Yellowstone's a big one and couple of those that i've been watching lately but you know always end on the murder being solved that's always a good one
2: i gotta say your bedroom time routine is by the numbers so i'm not gonna i don't have any criticism there you're you're good with that so Thanks. I, I, i'm gonna say that i'm gonna have to like take it up a notch you know so this is gonna go into well Lindsay, is this gonna be myth or is this gonna be fact and okay i'm not gonna grade you because i'm a nice person you know um, <laughs>
0: A plus, just give me an A plus will be good. <laughs> I like to win. Okay.
2: <laughs> what about alcohol and sleep? Can you get better sleep by, hey, just having a glass of wine or uh, some alcohol at night? Is that a good way to get sleep?
0: Definitely a myth. That is not actual at all. That's, uh, I've definitely noticed that again, like hyper aware of what I'm eating and drinking and consuming before I go to sleep to try to help myself sleep better. And alcohol is, while it feels good in the moment it is not a good solution I'd say tequila is the only thing that you know doesn't completely disrupt my sleep but everything else forget about it
2: And let me just add on to that for, for the listeners is that, sure, alcohol will knock you out. That's its job. But you know what? The second half of the night, oh, my God, you'll be not going into REM, not going to the deep sleep, multiple awakenings, not to mention going to the bathroom. So you're right, Lindsay. I'm going to give you a plus on that answer. Yes. How about this one? Exercise helps you sleep. What do you think? No. Not true. Really? Now, why did you say not true? I'm gonna give you a chance to give you a little bit of a little
0: bit of depends on what time of day. Like, Ooh. if of day. talking if you I talking right do I exercise right before bed? Absolutely not. That'll your not. can't slow down. So, I mean, I at least from my experience, a if I I a long i i a long i i got to still hit the to still i the gym, to so i it going to I never sleep well just never sleep well just to it's too of to bedtime. Any of time of the day, like the rest of the day, it's really important for me, especially like I, you know, I need it, because it helps me get more tired. So I can, you know, I just feel like I can fall asleep better if I'm physically tired, which is, you know, why I had less difficulty, I'd say when I was racing, because I had that physical exertion. But it's just good for overall health. You know, I think You've got to have exercise
2: in your life. Well said, and I think I'm more on the yes, because you're right, exercise, we all could use it. We all It helps out with stress, anxiety, mental, and you know, there was that stigma about don't exercise late at night, and I think the caveat to that is if you are a super athlete like Lindsey Vaughn, Michael Jordan, sure, you don't want to do those type of workouts, but exercise when you can, and I think the rule of thumb for my patients, I tell them try to do it in the morning, and if you live in a nice area, a good place, good weather, try to get outside and do it. So I think exercise is a good thing. I think we're on the same page. But I
0: I do think that going for a walk after dinner is really helpful because,
2: you
0: know, process your food, which I always watch my insulin spikes because that will also disrupt my sleep. So, you know, if I have dessert at night, which, you know, may or may not happen often,
1: (laughs) um,
0: I like to walk my dogs, you know, after my law and order crime has been solved. And, you know, just just a couple of minutes to move and like kind of help flush out the sugar will help me sleep better
2: so if it's dessert time you're gonna grab the sour patch gummy bear or the choco taco
0: Ooh, choco taco sounds good i, I know the gu- <laughs> sour patch kids i only have when i'm at the movies. okay it's the only time i ever have them and it is you know a guilty pleasure that i am not shy to admit
2: <laughs> <laughs> i love it all right back to our game back to our game what about Screen time is screen time a nice way to kind of transition to sleep and wind down at the end of the day? No. <laughs> well said. You didn't no, even hesitate it's on that a one. Hard
0: no, it's a hard no.
2: <laughs> I agree. We'd like
0: to believe that it is, but it's not.
2: <laughs> I agree, and you know, especially even for for me, I have three kids, so I mean, it's taking away those iPads, trying to do some reading. So I don't think we have to belabor this point. You're you're spot on. This one might get you. Can you make up for lost sleep?
0: I mean, I've always tried to, you know, when I was not sleeping well before, I would try to catch up by, you know, taking naps because I'd be so tired. You know, I'd try to take cat naps sometimes, but I never actually felt like I could catch up. You know, I mean, I think a couple of good night's sleep will help, but it's more of a long term strategy of trying to sleep more is better. 100%.
2: 100%. And I think that I wanted just to add in this for everyone is that there's something called the sleep debt. And it kind of builds up, you know, if you have one hour of sleep debt on Monday, then one hour on Tuesday, you can do the math, it builds up throughout the week. And there's this misnomer that, hey, I can just make up for it. And by Wednesday, if I'm two hours of sleep debt, let me just sleep two extra hours. It's not a one to one. So you're right, Lindsay, it's all about prevention. It's all about the chronic what happens to you long term with being sleep deprived, and it's not good. So the answer is no. You're right. You can't make up for lost sleep. What about napping? So you have insomnia. Is napping a good way to offset the insomnia, Lindsay? No, I
0: usually felt like it felt good in the moment. Sometimes I would even wake up groggier than I was before. And then again, it would repeat the cycle of not helping me sleep at night. So I'd say if I had to, I would, but I it's better to just sleep longer at night in my opinion.
2: I agree. That's a definite myth right there too. You know, just like the one before was a myth. It's like you want if someone who has insomnia, you want them to build up that drive to sleep during the day. And if you're just napping because you have insomnia, you're taking away that drive to sleep at night. Don't get me wrong. I think if someone out there is listening, they're sleep deprived. That's a different story. But you're right. Napping is not the solution for insomnia. And now I'm going to throw a rogue question out here, Lindsay. If you were to nap, how long do you think a nap should be, Lindsay? Give me a number.
0: I mean, I always thought that, you know, 45 minutes was good. Anything longer than that. And again, I would wake up more groggy. I think anything less than 20 minutes, I didn't really feel any benefit from whatsoever yeah is that is that right am i well you that, know that's just from my personal experience
2: but. no don't worry that's why i love doing this because you're super honest so i'm going to say if you had to be by the numbers and i'm sure someone's yelling it out right now a nap should be around the 20 minute zone why is because you want to stay in the lighter stages of sleep if you nap too long you go into some of the deeper stages it's not nap anymore it's like literally sleep but sleep is always individualized you definitely don't want to nap if you have insomnia like you said but for most I would say a nap's going to be around that 20 minute, maybe 30 minute zone. So you're not too far off. I'm still gonna say you're okay. one of my favorites. Okay, right. cool. And I threw that one out of nowhere. So I kind of put you off guard. So now, <laughs> now what about this one? This is the last myth or fact. If you can't sleep, should you get out of bed?
0: I mean, I don't. I try not to. I'll painfully sit there awake, just oh. trying to, you know, if, if, I can keep my heart rate down anytime I get up then my heart rate goes up and my body temperature goes up and then, you know, you're making things more difficult on yourself. So I always try to just have anything I need. Like if I have, I have my water and you know, I have a book or something just in case, but I try to always keep my heart rate down. So if I can sleep, I mean, again, now I'm sleeping better, but yeah. before, you know, I was, I was always prepared for, the stare at the wall situation
2: (laughs) no now now, make sure you still like me but the answer here on this one it's going to be kind of factual why there's something called cognitive behavioral therapy and one of the most important parts of that is remembering to everyone that the bed is only meant for sleeping so we kind of give a rough estimate because we don't want you to clock watch that if you can't fall Mm -hmm. asleep within like you know 15 to 20 minutes we really encourage leaving the bed and trying to do things non stimulating in some dim light and only go back to bed when you're ready to sleep. And it's it sounds great when I say it like I'm some kind of professor, but you know, it's it's hard to do for some people and sleep is individualized. But rules of thumb is that I don't want you to count sheep in bed. I don't want you to stare at the wall in bed. I want you when you go to bed to say, wow, I'm going to sleep. So, that last one is a tricky one. That one's going to be interesting. Yeah. Well,
0: I guess I'm just more of like a grind it out, like, you know, no pain, no gain situation.
2: You're kind of like the gold medalist, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, I want to make sure I spent a lot of time for these last three questions. So, I want to make sure I add because I think you're just an amazing person. So, after attending your first Winter Olympics in 2002 at the age of 17, you got a sixth place finish in the combined. At the 2010 Olympics, you went on to achieve a lifelong dream, and you took the gold. You displayed through your own achievements that hard work and perseverance will bring your dreams to fulfillment. So based on your own experience, what words of advice do you have for young Olympians who will be competing at their next Winter Olympics? I mean,
0: I think I would say to any young person that wants to achieve anything in life, I think The most important thing is sticking to what you believe and believing in yourself. I think a lot of people get off track because one person tells them that they can't do it or they're not good enough. And I think you just have to keep working hard at it. And again, if if you don't believe in yourself, who's going to? So start from within. And I think, again, that's one of the most important things to success in any walk of life.
2: No, well said. And I'm going to kind of cascade on that. So while I was doing my due diligence preparing for the interview, I saw a pattern that I just couldn't ignore. I mean, you face so many obstacles in your career, personal life, and you always seem to come out blazing like each time. So what has motivated you to continually get up after each setback with just fierceness?
0: You know, everyone has obstacles in their life, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, whatever it is, you know, we all have things that we need to overcome. And I think for me, my adversities, I use them as an opportunity to get stronger, to get better. I tried to look at them as a positive, although, you know, a lot of times it was really hard when I was, you know, laying in bed after multiple knee surgeries. But I think I got that perspective really from my mom. You know, she had a stroke when she had me and, um, you know, she wasn't able to do a lot of the sports that we would have loved to do together, like skiing, um, because of that physical handicap that she had. And she never complained. She was always positive. And I felt like, you know, yes, I may be injured. I may have had all these surgeries, but at least I have the opportunity to come back from them. And that is lucky. You know, that is. And I think that's the perspective that really, really helped me in my life, not just in my skiing career. careers, so having that perspective that every day is an opportunity to be better.
2: You know, and just once again, cascading on that answer, I wanted to ask you, like, you've been like super open about struggles with transition to retirement, and we smallly kind of touched based upon that. But can you give us an update as to what you've been up to and how you're feeling since making the de- difficult decision to retire?
0: You know, I feel a lot better. I'm obviously sleeping a lot better, but I also, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, on my mental health as well. Since retiring, I got a new therapist, um, Dr. Armando Gonzalez, and he was really pivotal in me kind of adjusting to retired life. You know, I, I'm the kind of person, like I said before, like I have goals every single day. It's not like I had a lack of motivation or a lack of things to do or a lack of goals. But, you know, just life without the one thing that I love doing was a lot different than I expected it to be. So, you know, I, I feel like now I'm in a really great place. I have a lot going on. That's really positive. I have my production company. My, my second book came out a little while ago. I have my ski line, my goggle company, um, my foundation, which has brought, you know, me, brought me so much purpose and joy helping kids. So I have a lot to be thankful for a lot to be proud of. And, you know, again, like my mom always said, you know, today is not a great day and another day for opportunity.
2: You know, we make a great combo here because you kind of lead me to my next question so nicely. (laughs) So, you know, I have three kids, I have two girls, and uh, my oldest wanted to ask this question because she's always wondering, what am I preparing for at night, you know? So you created the Lindsay Vaughn Foundation in 2015 with the intention of helping young girls achieve their dreams. So can you tell us a little bit more about the foundation? I think that's so awesome that you did this, and how can... We support it. And what are your goals for 2023 and beyond?
0: Well, thanks for bringing that up. And I appreciate your daughter asking that question. Uh, I actually started the foundation in 2015 when I was coming off of back-to-back knee surgeries, which again, you know, was a really positive thing that came out of my injury was that I was able to start the foundation. And our mission is really to empower underserved girls through scholarships and and programs. And we have camps, empowerment camps, which I attend. And, you know, unfortunately, COVID has had a disappointing effect on our in-person camps. But we've really been able to help girls across all walks of life from aeronautical engineers to gymnasts to, you know, horse riders. Like there's a a lot of different girls that we support. And I really, you know, I, I kind of, use peekaboo as my inspiration because i met her when i was nine years old and she was my hero and because of a 90 second interaction it changed my life so i want to just inspire and empower girls to be whatever it is that they set out to be and i think that's one of my you know big goals for this year is just to continue to expand you know on that and to help as many kids as possible and I've got some shows that are also coming out or that we're trying to produce. We're in the process of producing. So I think that's another big goal. But I think my foundation, I think at the moment and, you know, now that I've been retired for a little bit is has been a really big part of my life and something that I want to just continue to expand and hopefully it will live on long past
2: me. Well, you know, Linz, you don't see it on this side, but I'm a little sad because that was like my last question. and. Aww. I really want to keep on going because, you know what, I, I really, this is my first time talking to you, you're you're relatively cool. I like you. You're
0: a nice <laughs> <person>. Relatively? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, but let me just say this. I want to make sure I say that it was really an, a super big treat having you on the podcast. And thank you for the time that you spent here. And I know you're super busy and I'm glad I'm on your things to do list. And you're just an amazing person and you really are an inspiration. And it was nice telling my daughters, because they're young, you know what I mean? And uh, who you are, and we watch some videos about you. And, you know, I always forget how amazing and emotional it is when you won the gold. So thank you for coming on the podcast. You're, you're the coolest.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on. And, you know, I appreciate that you give people accurate information. That's really empowering to everyone. So thank you for everything you do as well.
2: Oh, and in honor of you, I'll watch an episode of Law & Order tonight.
0: Yes, <laughs> original, original is the best, but you know, everyone loves a good SBU now and again.
2: And that is our episode for the Dr. Raj podcast. And once again, I am still in awe. I love this interview and stay tuned for the next episode. And thank you for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Bright again. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.